In this recording, we're going to discuss at further length an issue which we raised briefly in the previous recording, which is that in one of the Minchaschinoch's questions on the Tzlach, he made the comment that if a majority of the Jews did not do Pesach Rishon, they would be unable to do Pesach Sheni. So we're going to expand on that and see some different opinions about that. And the sources that I'm going to use for this are collected in an article from Rav Uriel Benner in the Ma'alin Bakodesh Torah Journal, which has to do with Kudshim and Besamikdash topics. So in volume 22, he has an article about this, and this is reprinted in a sefer which collects his various Torah articles called Bener Mitzvah Torah Uriel. So the halacha is very clear that Pesach Sheni is only for individuals, meaning a minority of the Jewish people. So if more than 50% of the Jews were able to do Pesach Rishon, but a minority of the Jews were unable to do Pesach Rishon, so those minority, those individuals are able to do Pesach Sheni. But if a majority of the Jews was unable to do Pesach Rishon, so let's say 51% of the Jews were Tameh during Pesach Rishon, they would be unable to do Pesach Sheni because the whole halacha is only stated for a minority, but it does not apply to a majority. Now, if a majority of the Jews were Tameh Mace, so they had become impure through a dead body on Pesach Rishon, they actually would be able to do the Pesach Rishon because the whole rules of Tumah would be suspended at that point. But that's not our topic. Our issue is that there is a rule that only a minority of the Jews are able to do Pesach Sheni, not Pesach Rishon. Now, the Minchas Chinuch in Mitzvah Shin Pei raises an interesting issue, which is when do we evaluate whether it's a minority or a majority of the Jews? Do we evaluate that at Pesach Rishon time or do we evaluate that at Pesach Sheni time? So, for example, let's say a minority of the Jews are unable to to do Pesach Rishon, but then that becomes a majority around Pesach Sheni time. So to keep the numbers simple, let's say there's 100 Jews in the world and 49 of them were unable to do Pesach Rishon, so that's a minority. But then in the weeks between Pesach Rishon and Pesach Sheni, five new people convert. So now there's 54 Jews who did not do Pesach Rishon, and that's a majority of the 105 Jews in the world. So by the time Pesach Sheni comes around, it's actually a majority of the Jews who are going to be doing their Pesach at that point. Would we consider that a minority because at Pesach Rishon, it was only 49 out of the 100 Jews? Or do we consider it a majority because by the time Pesach Sheni comes, it's 54 out of the 105 Jews? So that's how the Minchas Chinuch formulates this issue. Do we evaluate the majority or minority at the time of Pesach Rishon or at the time of Pesach Sheni? And one of the distinctions would be if a large number of converts join between Pesach Rishon and Pesach Sheni and actually alter the ratio from a minority to a majority. Another distinction would be if a majority of the Jews were far from the Beis HaMikdash over Pesach Rishon. So one of the exemptions of the Karban Pesach is Derech Rechoka, somebody who's far away. So those people were not obligated to do the Pesach Rishon, but they are obligated to do Pesach Sheni. So what happens if a majority of the Jews are far from the Beis HaMikdash during Pesach Rishon? Again, let's say there's a hundred Jews and 51 of them go on vacation to Europe for Pesach. So they're Derech Rechoka. They're far from the Beis HaMikdash. So they're not obligated to do the Karban Pesach and Pesach Rishon. But at the time of Pesach Sheni, they are obligated. But again, Again, that is a majority of the Jewish people because it's 51 out of 100. Now, if we evaluate it at Pesach Rishon, so 
then we would only see the 49 people who were in Yerushalayim who were obligated. So a majority of the Jews who were in Yerushalayim were obligated. But if we evaluate it based on Pesach Sheni, so there's 100 Jews in the world and 51 of them are obligated in Pesach Sheni. So the same distinction would apply not only to people who converted, so they were not obligated because they weren't Jews over Pesach Rishon, but also to people who were not geographically in the area of the Beis Hamikdash. So they were not obligated because they were Derech Rechoka. They had an exemption, but they are now obligated in Pesach Sheni. So again, it would be the same issue. Do we look at Pesach Rishon, in which case a majority of the Jews did their Karban Pesach? Or do we look at the time of Pesach Sheni in which case a majority of the Jews, all those people who were on vacation, are obligated in Pesach Sheni, and if so, there should be no Pesach Sheni. So in Mitzvah Shin Pei, the Minchas Chinuch assumes that we evaluate this based on Pesach Rishon. So in both of those cases, there would be an obligation to do Pesach Sheni, because when a lot of people convert between Pesach Rishon and Pesach Sheni, or when people come back from their vacations that were Derech Rechoka, but we evaluate everything at Pesach Rishon, at that time a majority of the Jews fulfilled their Karban Pesach, so anyone that's left is going to do Pesach Sheni even though at the time of Pesach Sheni that's a majority of the Jewish people. Now a third example of this would be if there was no Beis HaMikdash over Pesach Rishon and then it was built in the weeks after Pesach so that by the time of Pesach Sheni there is now a standing Beis HaMikdash. So the Jews were unable to bring their Karban over Pesach Rishon because there was no Beis HaMikdash, and now they're able to for Pesach Sheni. So again, according to the Minchas Chinuch, they would be obligated to bring the Karban Pesach, even though it's now a majority of the Jews, meaning 100% of the Jews are bringing Pesach Sheni. But since at the first Pesach, they were unable to do the mitzvah, so we evaluated all based on the first Pesach. And at that time, there was no exemption for everybody, meaning we did not apply the rule that a majority of the Jews didn't do Pesach Rishon because there was no Beis HaMikdash. So this is a totally different case. The reason people didn't bring the Karban Pesach has nothing to do with not having fulfilled the mitzvah. They were just unable to. So by the time we come to Pesach Sheni, the entire people are not exempt and they would have to bring the Karban Pesach. So based on the analysis of the Minchas Chinuch, he concludes that if the Beis HaMikdash would be built between Pesach Rishon and Pesach Sheni, then every Everyone would celebrate Pesach Sheni. And he writes very beautifully, He's actually writing this whole piece between the two Pesachs. So he hopes that the Beis HaMikdash will be built that year before Pesach Sheni and they'll be able to celebrate Pesach Sheni. So that's a very beautiful piece and a very beautiful wish from the Minchas Chinuch. Now, the Minchas Chinuch's analysis is not so simple. So in the Sefer Haram Oriya on the Rambam in Hilchus Karban Pesach, Perek Hei Osiodalid. So he disagrees with the Minchas Chinuch and he holds that there cannot be a majority of the Jews doing Pesach Sheni. So even if it was a minority over Pesach Rishon, let's say a bunch of people converted and they turned the minority who didn't do Karban Pesach into a majority, they would be unable, according to the Haram Oriya, to do Pesach Sheni because the rule is that a majority of the Jews can never do 
Pesach Sheni. So in all the clever cases of the Minchas Chinuch, where it's a minority on Pesach Rishon, and then it turns into a majority at Pesach Sheni, according to the Har HaMoriah, they would not be able to bring the Karban Pesach. And the same would be true, of course, if the Beis HaMikdash was built between Pesach Rishon and Pesach Sheni, they would not be able to bring the Karban Pesach that year. And we also noted in the previous recording that the Minchas Chinuch himself contradicts himself on this issue, because earlier in Mitzvah Hay, he takes the other approach that if a majority of the Jews were far from the Beis HaMikdash, they were Derech Rechoka over Pesach Rishon, they would not be able to do Pesach Sheni. So there's some confusion within the Minchas Chinuch himself. Now the Minchas Chinuch notes at the end of this piece that after this he found that it's actually an explicit debate in the Yerushalmi. So in the case where the Beis HaMikdash is built between Pesach Rishon and Pesach Sheni, the Yerushalmi records a debate. One view is that we would celebrate Pesach Sheni and the other is that we would not. So this debate between the Minchas Chinuch and the Har HaMoriah is a much earlier debate and it's explicitly in the Yerushalmi. Now, the language of the Yerushalmi, and this is in Psachim Perak Tes Halacha Aleph, and it's also repeated in the Tosefta in Psachim Perak Ches Halacha Beis, the language is a little unusual. The way the case is formulated is Nitan Lahen Yisrael Livnos Beis Abachira, which literally translates as if the Jews are given to build the Beis HaMikdash. So it sounds like the Jews were given permission to build the Beis HaMikdash, but they may not have actually built the Beis HaMikdash yet, and they're still bringing the Karban Pesach. So the Tzitz Eliezer in Atshuva and Chelek Yudbeis, Simon Mem Zion, where he's asked about the possibility of bringing a Karban Pesach even when there's no Beis HaMikdash, which is a possibility, and there's a lot of discussion about bringing sacrifices without a Beis HaMikdash, but the Tzitz Eliezer is totally against it. And as part of his discussion, he raises this issue that the language of the Yerushalmi seems to imply that even if the Jews were given permission to build the Beis HaMikdash, but they didn't actually build it yet, they could still bring a Karban Pesach. So that goes against the view of the Tzitz Eliezer that you cannot bring a Karban Pesach without the Beis HaMikdash. So he suggests a few possibilities to explain this. Obviously, the simple explanation is that they were given permission and they built the Beis HaMikdash. In other words, the language is a little turbulent but it refers not only to being given permission to build it, but the fact that they actually did build it. It was completed between the first Pesach and the second one. But the Tzitz Eliezer has another solution from the Chaste David in his commentary on the Tosefta, because the Chaste David wonders, why do we need a Beis HaMikdash in order to bring the Karban Pesach? They brought the Karban Pesach even before they built the Beis HaMikdash. So why is it necessary to have built the Beis HaMikdash as a prerequisite for bringing the Karban Pesach? So so he explains that this is talking about something totally different, that they already have a Beis HaMikdash. It's already built, but it needed renovations. So because of the renovations, they were unable to celebrate Pesach Rishon. The renovations were only completed in time for Pesach Sheni. So there's a debate as to whether everyone would celebrate Pesach Sheni in a year like that. And that's actually the situation that they're talking about in the times of Chizkiyahu. The Beis HaMikdash required renovations. So if those renovations had disrupted Pesach Rishon and they'd been completed before Pesach Sheni, there's a debate as to whether everyone would bring the Pesach Sheni. So according to the Chastei David's reading, there is no possibility of bringing the Karban Pesach outside of the Beis HaMikdash once the Beis HaMikdash is already built. And the case is not referring to when the Jews get permission to begin building the Beis HaMikdash. It's referring to an existing Beis HaMikdash that requires renovations. Now there's another issue with this language. This is a very fascinating question that Rabbi 
Rabbi Rucham Perlo in his commentary on the Sefer Mitzvahs of Rav Sadia Gaon Asay 13 raises. There's a debate between Rashi and the Rambam whether the third Beis HaMikdash in the times of Mashiach is going to be built by the Jewish people. That's the Rambam. Whereas Rashi quotes that the third Beis HaMikdash comes down from heaven. So it appears immediately. So Rabbi Rucham Perlo asks on Rashi's view, why does the Tosefta say Nitan Lahem Li Yisrael, that the Jews were given permission to build the Beis HaMikdash, which sounds very much like the Rambam, that the Jews build the third Beis HaMikdash. According to Rashi, there is no permission to build the third Beis HaMikdash. It just comes down from heaven. So why does the Tosefta formulate this case that the Jews were given permission to build the Beis HaMikdash and not use Rashi's language that if the Beis HaMikdash comes down from heaven between Pesach Rishon and Pesach Sheni, there's a debate whether we would do Pesach Sheni. So that's Rabbi Rucham Perlo's very fascinating question. Now, according to the Chastei David, obviously that would answer that question too, because we're not dealing with the third Beis HaMikdash in the times of Mashiach. We're dealing with an existing Beis HaMikdash that requires renovation. So the case of the Tosefta is not in the future when Mashiach comes. It's talking about one of the two Beis HaMikdashes that we had if it required renovation over Pesach Rishon. So the Chastei David's approach would resolve some of these questions. The other way to read this Tosefta is that it is talking about a Beis HaMikdash which is built between the first Pesach and the second Pesach and the debate is whether we would celebrate the second Pesach. And so that would have practical ramifications if the Beis HaMikdash is built or comes down from heaven between the first Pesach and the second Pesach, would we celebrate the second Pesach? Now, the Chida also deals with this question question in his Chuvas Yosef Ometz Simon Vav. He quotes a Chuva from his son-in-law, Rabbi Avram Pardo, and he's asked the same thing. If the Beis HaMikdash is built between Pesach Rishon and Pesach Sheni, would we all celebrate Pesach Sheni? And he agrees with the Minchas Chinuch that we would, but he formulates this in a different way. He argues that the whole rule that a majority of the Jews would not do Pesach Sheni only applies when they were Tamei Mace. So in the case where the Jews were in contact with a dead body, there everything is upside down, that if a majority of the Jews were Tamei Mace, they would celebrate Pesach Rishon, even though in general a Tamei person can't do Pesach Rishon, but in that case the rules are suspended, but they're not able to go to Pesach Sheni. But that's all when they're Tamei Mace. If there's another reason why they can't celebrate Pesach Rishon, so let's say they would have a different type of Tumah, not Tamei Mace, but they were Tamei Zav, they had a missions, so they're also not able to do Pesach Rishon, but in that case, it doesn't matter whether it's a majority or a minority, either way, they're not allowed to do Pesach Rishon, but those people would be able to do Pesach Sheni, even if they're a majority of the Jewish people. So the only time we say that a majority can't do Pesach Sheni is for Tamei Mace, not for other reasons. So the same would be true if the Beis HaMikdash was built between Pesach Rishon and Pesach Sheni since they were unable to do Pesach Rishon for a different reason, not Tamei Mace. So everyone would be able to do Pesach Sheni that year. So basically, we have two formulations as to why if the Beis HaMikdash is built between Pesach Rishon and Pesach Sheni, we would celebrate Pesach Sheni. According to the Menchas Chinuch, it's because the evaluation of the majority and the minority depends on Pesach Rishon. So if there was no Beis HaMikdash, there was never a principle that the majority can't do Pesach Sheni that year. So if the Beis HaMikdash is built, then everyone would keep Pesach Sheni. According to Rabbi Avram Pardo, it's because the whole principle that a majority 
majority doesn't keep Pesach Sheni is only when they were Tamei Mace, but it doesn't apply to other situations like when there was no Beis HaMikdash. And as we mentioned, the Haram Oriyah and the Rambam disagrees with the Minchas Chinuch. He holds that the evaluation of the majority depends on Pesach Sheni. So if a majority of the Jews come to celebrate Pesach Sheni, they would be unable to do so. And that's the view of the Minchas Chinuch and Mitzvah Hay as well. And Rav Shach and the Avi Ezri and the Rambam and Hilchus Karban Pesach, Perek Zayin, Halacha Gimel. So he also writes that and he has a proof for it that the evaluation depends on Pesach Sheni. And Rav Herzog, who was the chief rabbi of Israel and his Truvis Hechal Yitzchak, or Achaim Simon Nun Gimel. So he's trying to understand what the status of Pesach Sheni is nowadays. So he also touches on this issue and he points out that even though it's a debate in the Yerushalmi whether we would celebrate Pesach Sheni, but the view of the rabbis against Rabbi Yehuda, so the majority is that we would not celebrate Pesach Sheni. So that's how he seems to rule on a practical level. So it seems on a practical level that unlike the Minchas Chinuch, we would not celebrate Pesach Sheni in that case. Now we'll end with one last view about this, and this comes from the Meshachachma in Bamidbar, Chafches Tes Zayin. And even though technically this is similar to the Minchas Chinuch, that he does agree that there would be Pesach Sheni in the case where the Beis HaMikdash is built after Pesach Rishon, but as we'll see, he really has a third view about this whole issue, unlike what we seen up until now. The Meshachachma points out that when the Torah describes the holiday of Sukkot, it keeps saying on the 15th day of the seventh month. So it keeps repeating that Sukkot is celebrated in the seventh month, which is the month of Tishrei. As opposed to when it comes to the holiday of Pesach, the Torah introduces it as Ubachodesh HaRishon in the first month, which is the month of Nisan. But then when it returns to it, it says Ubachamisha Asar Lachodesh Hazeh on the 15th of this month. So it does not repeat in the month of Nisan or in the first month. It just says this month. So there's a discrepancy. When it comes to Sukkot, the Torah makes it clear over and over again that it has to be in the seventh month, which is the month of Tishrei. But when it comes to Pesach, it begins by saying that it should be in Nisan. But then later it just says this month and it does not call it the first month or Nisan. So the Meshachachma explains that the Torah is alluding to this halacha that if the Beis HaMikdash is built between Pesach Rishon and Pesach Sheni, not only would a majority of the Jews keep Pesach Sheni, but they would actually keep it for a full seven days. In other words, normally the first Pesach is seven days. The second Pesach is only one night. It's not a seven-day holiday. So anyone who was unable to do the Karban Pesach the first time around doesn't do a full Pesach of seven days the second time around. They just make up the Karban and then they're done. But there is no full holiday at Pesach Sheni. Whereas according to the Meshachachma, if all of the Jews were unable to do Pesach Rishon, meaning there was no Beis HaMikdash, so everyone got pushed off to Pesach Sheni, not only would they keep one night, just do the Karban Pesach and be done, but they would actually have to keep the full seven-day holiday of Pesach because this is the national celebration of Pesach. So it has to be done with all of the rules of Pesach Rishon for a full seven days. So that's why the Torah does not emphasize that Pesach is done on the 15th 
15th of Nisan because there is a situation where it might be done on the 15th of Iyar. So that's why the Torah just says on the 15th of this month, meaning regardless of what month it is, whether it's Nisan or Iyar, if the entirety of the Jewish people is celebrating it, so it's going to be a seven-day holiday. And of course, in a normal year, the Jews would celebrate Pesach Rishon, so Pesach Sheni would not be a seven-day holiday, but in this scenario where the Beis HaMikdash is built in between the two Pesachs, so then Pesach Sheni would be the main holiday, and it would go on for seven days. So the Meshachachma technically agrees with the Menchas Chinuch that if the Beis HaMikdash is built between the Pesachs, we would celebrate Pesach Sheni, but whereas the Menchas Chinuch sees it as the traditional Pesach Sheni celebration of one night, according to the Meshachachma, it's a full seven-day holiday in that case, and he finds allusion to that in the language of the Torah, that it stresses that Sukkot can only be in Tishrei, but it does not stress that with regards to Pesach, and it indicates that there are cases where Pesach could be celebrated fully, even in the month of Iyar. So according to the Meshachachma, this is a very interesting idea, that if, God willing, the Beis HaMikdash is built between the first Pesach and the second Pesach, this year will have a seven-day Pesach Sheni. So that's the three-way debate about what would happen if we merit the Beis HaMikdash this year between Pesach Rishon and Pesach Sheni. According to the Menchas Chinuch and Rabbi Avram Pardo, we'll celebrate a standard one-night Pesach Sheni. According to the Meshachachma, we'll all celebrate a seven-day Pesach Sheni. And according to the Haramoria and Rav Herzog, we won't be celebrating any Pesach Sheni. But regardless, it will be incredible to have the Beis HaMikdash. And for the following year, for Pesach Rishon, we'll be able to celebrate it fully with its full pomp and ceremony.